Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Liz Loza and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years Andy will not be satisfying any of your anythings today because he's out on a spirit quest after whiffing on yet another nutty prediction. But in his place, we have none other than Dalton Del Don. What up, D? How are you? What's up, Liz? How's it going? I'm good. So I'm going to ask you instead of Andy, do you know what satisfied me this what week? Satis- no, what satisfied you, Liz? Gosh, I love how you asked so nicely. I might have to tell you. And it is, I don't know if you've binge this show yet but have you checked out ted lasso oh yeah i, I have yeah i like it oh Loved it's it. so yeah. good right yeah. yeah it's really good yes yeah totally yeah it's the same makers of uh with scrubs yeah it's it's good it's funny yeah, it's better than you'd think from you know it's, what is it based off a, a commercial i mean it has no business of being so funny i love that you said look at this oh we're already starting on like a positive note just like ted lasso yeah it's bill lawrence who did scrubs you're absolutely right zach braff directed i believe the first episode because hollywood is nepotism (laughs) but yes i particularly like it and find it satisfying because it is so positive and uplifting and right now we have not necessarily had too much of that and if you are in week 11 listening, I'm guessing it's because you're vying for your playoffs. So maybe you take a little of the satisfied positivity from Ted Lasso and planters and move it forward into winning with the forecast this week. Let's get going. We're going to talk about the Sunday early games, starting off with the Falcons at the Saints. Oh, Dalton, I mean, put down the crab legs and grab the crawfish because Jameis is about to get Louisiana famous, am I right? Uh, Jameis, the, the eye surgery Jameis, too, coming back for the LASIK. So let's see if, the, if that has improved. The ter- it's going to be so interesting to see what Jameis we get. Do we get the guy, what was he, third fantasy QB last last year? We loved the, the pick sixes and all that. But now this Saints team might want to win with defense and a conservative Drew Brees. So I'd love to have a hot take here. But frankly, Liz, I'm just like taking a wait and see approach. How much is Taysom Hill going to oh, step in here? On. I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't have a take here with the Saints. It's totally, I, I'm, I'm as curious as anyone. I have a take and I'm going to do it. I don't care. If we have learned one thing about Jameis Winston, not just over his time in Tampa Bay, but over his career as a quarterback in the spotlight, and I'm talking back to Alabama and also college after that, he cannot help himself. You know what I'm saying, Dalton? This man (laughs) cannot help himself. That is a clear character trait of Jameis Winston. I went back and did some research. Obviously, he's familiar with the Atlanta Falcons, right, as a former division rival of the 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And like you alluded to, uh, the POV as a saint is different with this manipulated offense. But this offense has been tweaked for a 41-year-old quarterback, not a gunslinger, even though what we saw last week, and don't forget what we saw last week, though, wasn't expected. That was a, bl- that was, came out of nowhere. That was a curveball that Sean Payton had to deal with. But over the seven games in which Winston has faced off against Atlanta, so not including his rookie year, basically, he's passed for under 280 yards just once, and he has never put forth, this was obviously, again, as a Buccaneer, a single touchdown effort Since 2016, he averaged 299 passing yards and three scores every game versus the Falcons. I do not think he'll be able to control himself. Michael Thomas is starting to look a little bit healthier. We know that they're going to lean on the run and the defense here, but I can't imagine that Winston isn't going to Winston, especially against this ridiculously generous Falcons defense. Come on. Yeah, they've allowed the most fantasy points to uh, to quarterbacks and sneakily been really tough to opposing running backs. They've been like the toughest the last five weeks, which really bodes well if you're starting that opposing QB. So you're talking me in to Winston here. You said you got the the whole week of practice, too. It's so different than just coming in at halftime, for sure. And hopefully uh, Taysom isn't more of a nuisance than he is any any given week. So the setup really is here. It could be high scoring. And like I said, Kamara's banged up, and that may mean even fewer rush attempts. So this may turn into a... A Winston game, and if it comes to turnovers, then so be it. So uh, you're talking me into it more. Maybe I will bump okay. them up my rankings. It's fair. I love doing shows. Andy, you're on notice. <laughs> I love doing shows with Dalton. This is fun. You mentioned Kamara not being healthy. He did not practice on Thursday, citing a foot issue. Obviously, we all want Alvin Kamara to be on the field, but we also know there is a clear backup slash understudy available. This doesn't turn into like a wild multi-headed hydra if the lead back isn't available and Latavius Murray at the time of this recording is rostered in 58% of Yahoo League so not uh obviously highly rostered but more available than I expected yeah despite me saying the Falcons have been tough against the run if Kamara misses this game absolutely add Murray and play him I would rank him as a top 10 back in this situation use him in DFS for sure yeah if Kamara's out uh please go grab Murray for sure We're spending all this time on the Saints, but we should talk about the Falcons as well because, oh, (laughs) I don't know, they have perhaps the best wide receiver presently playing the game, although I think DeAndre Hopkins, maybe even Michael Thomas, might say a little something about that. Uh, Julio Jones, though, might have a more increased role because Calvin Ridley continues to be limited in practice. Obviously, if Calvin Ridley is available, you go ahead and, and, and you play him, and Julio Jones will draw Lattimore in coverage, which downgrades him a little bit, but these two are friendly foes they've seen each uh, each other enough uh, and obviously obviously like there's a nice competitive advantage there between them and we know that Julio can be Julio yeah it is a slight downgrade you're totally using him and you're with confidence with the banged up Ridley that foot injury I'm surprised he's already returning if he is I doubt it's at 100% and as we alluded to here this game could really be high scoring and I, I know Gurley's getting the touchdowns but man, I, I don't know. I, I feel like some should start going more Julio's way. I know it's, it's it's against his whole career arc, but man, I feel like he's still due for some TD regression. Well, I also think that with Ridley not on the field, I mean, it, the defensive attention just continues to be thrown his way, which is also why Hayden Hurst has become pretty yeah. consistent. I mean, he's seeing about six looks per game on a regular basis. People want to say he's t- touchdown dependent, but like name a name a tight end that isn't, right? <laughs> I have him as a solid, and he's finding the end zone regularly as well. I have him as like a solid top 10 op- option. 
Yeah, Saints have been vulnerable against the tight end, and he has been somewhat of a disappointment, but so is every other tight end not named yeah. Travis Kelsey. And actually, relatively, he's been one of the lesser disappointments. So I'm with you here. He's a top 10 start this week. Pittsburgh at Jacksonville. This in this matchup to me is interesting because the Pittsburgh Steelers are undefeated, but I also kind of forget that they're undefeated yeah. all the time. It's like one of these quietly like, oh yeah, I forgot they haven't they haven't lost a game yet, but they're not particularly exciting. And I and I say that, of course, noting that last week was exciting with a banged up Big Ben who came back and did the banged up Big Ben thing and threw the ball all over the yard and got all of the receivers, including Juju, who has started to look healthy again into the mix. But in a press conference, Mike Tomlin noted that the one thing that this team is not doing well is that the run game has faltered over the last couple of weeks. Three weeks ago, James Conner found the end zone in a tough matchup against Baltimore, but over the past two weeks, I mean, but his his output wasn't particularly impressive. He, fit, he saved his fantasy day with that touchdown, but over the past two weeks, uh, it's not been good at all. When we look at Jacksonville, obviously Jacksonville is generous through the air and on the ground, but I feel like there is going to be, and Big Ben is going to be on the road in this one, and we know that the Steelers, and we saw it recently, play down to the level of competition. And so I feel like this is a nice rebound spot for James Conner, especially since the coach mentioned wanting to get the running game going. He averaged, what, 2.9 yards per carry last week? Like, not great. We know the matchup is doable. And I just feel like for $21 in DFS, this is a nice opportunity to capitalize on everybody moving away from Conner or getting spooked. He's been so frustrating to have him on many teams, uh, but Same. you're obviously using him feature back on the undefeated team, uh, double-digit favorite, so hopefully the game script should be favorable. Yeah, you're definitely using Connor, and he's a DFS option a, a week with thin uh, running back options like most weeks this year. Um, you're using all these wide receivers in Big Ben, but I will say, I have a weird feeling that Jacksonville's a live dog here. Uh, Pittsburgh is, yeah, as you said, plays down to the competition. They play Thanksgiving, they face the Ravens. This is an obvious type trap game and Jacksonville's uh, you know they, they, they weren't so so bad last week so I think they're going to give them uh, actually run for their money here make this game a little bit closer um, you're using all the Pittsburgh guys of course I mean Jacksonville's defense isn't great on paper but on the road uh, you said it plays down to competition and just not overly impressive both their passing game and their running game so sure they may just bully them with defense but I would not be surprised if Jacksonville has this game very very close to the end I love it Jake Luton I mean last week it did not transfer well his arm strength right but you kept I love that you kept even in the wind seeing him try to push the ball deep like he was going and going and it wasn't working out but he didn't stop that early he had like a 70 yard TD to shark right away but the wind just totally knocked that down I mean it, 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 totally you like to see him try uh and we are still prioritizing shark as like a top 15 option even though the matchup doesn't look good because we have seen that when a speedster or a receiver with great yak ability like Chark can get under the the secondary in Pittsburgh, then he can take full advantage. So I I think Chark isn't maybe going to catch a lot of balls, but it wouldn't surprise me if he catches, I don't know, again, three for 72 and a touch. Yeah, no, agreed. And Pittsburgh's so tough to run on. So Jacksonville just figures they have to throw a a ton. And yeah, Chark Chark should see see a lot of those targets. So we both mentioned Baltimore. Let's talk about Tennessee at Baltimore. It's interesting because the Titans' offense has struggled a little bit of a little bit as of late, and oh, now they get the Baltimore defense to contend with. That's not great timing for a bounce back spot. 
No, not at all. Um, AJ Brown, I believe, probably just doing his usual maintenance thing, sitting out of practice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Derrick Henry's another guy that I have on a lot of teams that has not quite lived up to expectations. Um, I guess it makes sense to to maybe save him, but this is this is a tough spot. Uh, Baltimore's bigger disappointment has come on offense, uh, defensively. Yeah, they remain. Rain difficult, but you're, you're rolling with Henry. You're rolling with AJ Brown. Uh, Corey Davis is more of a matchup guy, so you probably uh, would, would lean toward uh, alternatives. Same with with Tannehill. Um, but this should be a fun game. I'm really curious to see if Lamar Jackson does bounce back. I mean, I could see with um, you know with a, a couple quarterbacks out this week and, and Thursday night having Russell Wilson and Murray. Uh, maybe Lamar Jackson's return to a DFS. Um, I could see Mark Mark Andrews uh, uh, stacking there. It's, it's definitely a very viable option this week. We did see, by the way, Derrick Henry, who you mentioned, has been maybe, I don't want to say he struggled. He just maybe not been as efficient as we're used to seeing, right? But he did gash and surprise this Baltimore defense in January during the playoffs. So we know what the ceiling is here in this matchup for the Tennessee Titans. But we also know that the Titans can be pretty generous. So I love that you're mentioning it's an opportunity for maybe Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson to finally get in sync and to see this passing game start to turn over. From a fantasy perspective, I would like to focus on that more because let's be honest, this backfield is just a disaster that continues to cannibalize it, especially with the return of Mark Ingram from last week. And, you know, I assumed that 2021 was going to be J.K. Dobbins' year, but I've assumed that because Mark Ingram was going to own 2020. I still think I'm half right, but J.K. Dobbins this year has looked like the better back. In every advanced analytic, he is above Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram True yards per carry, 4.9. Breakaway run weight, 7%. Juke rate, 31.9%. And yet Gus Edwards is still being put on the field in scoring situations. He leads the backfield in red zone rushing attempts. And now we just have to kind of either, if you're going to play the roulette wheel, play it. Or, and I would say like Tennessee's run defense is not as good as it was without Jarrell Casey there. So you do have an opportunity to exploit the matchup, I guess. Of these three, who would you prioritize? First of all, let me circle back to Marquise Brown, who sure. I, I, I just can't recommend again. I do it every week, and I feel I feel bad. He's 11th in air yards this season. He has more air yards than DeAndre Hopkins. But at some point, it has to result in actual production. So, I mean, it looks nice on, on paper here. And again, I could say, yeah, maybe this would be the week that he, he catches the deep one, but it, 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 I don't feel great about recommending starting him. And the running back's the same deal. I think Dobbins obviously has the most upside, but man, three is, uh, that, that's, it's just rough. One of these guys probably will have a really big game. I just can't tell you which one, and maybe they monopolize mm-hmm. it all, and Edwards just comes in at the goal line. But um, Dobbins has the most upsides, obviously, long-term, but um, he's the guy that could, you know, break the long game and have the, the big game. But man, if I were to tell you which one to start right now, I'd just say uh, option D, because it's tough. I, just, <laughs> I think they're all, yeah, they're all going to monopolize each other. Well, that option D might end up being Gio Bernard for another week because Joe Mixon was not at practice Wednesday or Thursday. I'm talking, obviously, about the Bengals at the Washington football team matchup now. Let's not discuss the Bengals' backfield because I think that's pretty much it, right? We know we know what that situation is. Instead, I am pretty excited about the Washington backfield heading into Week 10 Everybody was buzzing about J.D. McKissick because, well, 14 targets will do that, right? And 
he still has wonderful PPR opportunity here with, he got 15 looks. He bested that last week, but Antonio Gibson put together a very solid effort. He touched the ball 17 times for 65 scrimmage yards and two scores. He may not be the preferred back on passing downs, but he is in scoring situations and against the Bengals who are allowing over five yards per carry. I feel like this is another smash spot for Gibson. They've, they fantasy wise, they've been getting killed by the quarterback, actually, the, the Bengals. So I was going to pivot here and say even Alex Smith is an interesting, real deep fantasy sleeper this week. But all those guys, this, this could be a sneaky game with higher scoring than people expect. I, we need the weather to cooperate, but both are, are quietly higher paced. There could be a lot of plays in this game. So yeah, McKissick. It's fine to have two running backs when one is treated as a wide receiver, and that's basically what McKissick is. So they both absolutely can have value, uh, regardless of the matchup, especially PPR, all those targets for McKissick. Wild that Alex Smith threw 390 yards uh, last week without one completion going 30 yards. I dropped Alex Smith in a dynasty format after watching that a great uh, a great preseason uh, clip with, with Stefania Bell, and it was nice. It was all encouraging, but 17 surgeries and the way his leg looked, I got to say, I'm shocked that he's able to do it. It's amazing, man. Really impressive. Nearly throwing for 400 yards in an NFL game with a leg that looked like that. It's impressive, and it's a good matchup here. The last five weeks, the Bengals have allowed the most fantasy points to quarterbacks. So I think I'm with you on the running backs, uh, but McLaurin, uh, even Logan Thomas in the tight end situation right now. I love Logan Thomas here. I think Washington really is a sneaky uh, uh, area to, to provide some fantasy value this week. All right. Sing it. What are we? What are you thinking about Joe Burrow though? Because I have to be honest. Like I love, and I've said this on numerous podcasts. I love how much Joe Burrow is being encouraged to find himself. He's being encouraged to throw the ball. It's like the opposite of his fellow Ohioan brethren, Baker Mayfield. Right? Like Baker Mayfield's being told, like whatever you do, you just hand that off to Chubb. Do not bother. And Joe Burrow, on the mean, in the meanwhile, is like developing this chemistry with T. Higgins, who's becoming the alpha of this receiving core. He's got this Justin Jefferson comp with Tyler Boyd, and yet he's being sacked so much because that O line just cannot protect him, and he's not getting flustered. But I am worried when I see Chase Young going up against him, him staying healthy. That uh, absolutely, that's a, a concern. But man, with Justin Herbert taking the world by fire, it's easy to overlook what Burrow's done. You look at the advanced nerd stats. He's like the fourth highest completion percentage above expectation. And he's the highest aggressive percentage, as you're alluding yes. to. I mean, they're really letting him throw. He's going downfield. He's just, they're not hiding the rookie at all. You're right. There's some risk that comes with that, you know, especially with Mixon dealing with his yearly injury. Um, but yeah, I know he's been an impressive rookie, fun. Uh, yeah, what, a, what an influx of talent the league has seen at the most important position. Also, if we're adding an influx of talent to the most important position, I don't think you expected to see Jacoby Myers as one of the most effective quarterbacks in the league stepping in for one Cameron Newton. Obviously, I'm making a joke here. Jacoby Myers did throw a pass last week. And that was, I mean, I'd like to see some trickery, right? That's always, if we're actually, if it's a perfect segue from the Bengals and Mohamed Sanu, right? Absolutely. You know that there's a commercial. I don't know if it's just local, but it's Jacoby and Myers. There's actually a law firm that is a Jacoby and Myers. He's a real, you look at the, his target share is out of control. I'm a believer in in Jacoby Myers. I've used him in DFS. I ranked him borderline top 20 wide receiver this week, even if Bradley Roby does shadow him. Uh, I know they don't throw the ball a lot and it's a slug fest. It's going to be slow paced New England, but man, it seems like every target goes to Myers. So I'm in on him and he passes the eye test. I, I, I like him quite a bit, actually. 
I think I've said this on this show, or maybe I was just chatting, but when I was watching Kelvin Harmon's tape, I kept looking at Jacoby Myers because he seemed so much more interesting. Uh, 37 targets since week seven. Chemistry with Cam Newton, obvious. No other contenders in this receiving core. You mentioned the matchup with Bradley Roby, but also when you're facing Houston, you have to imagine that New England's going to be chasing a few points here with Deshaun Watson looking as elite as ever, even without DeAndre Hopkins. It's fantastic. So let's talk about the receivers then in Houston, because I think there are, you know, the, the level at which Deshaun Watson is playing is incredible, especially without Nuke. Will Fuller has stepped in and stayed relatively healthy throughout the season. He's probably going to see Stephon Gilmore, but like, oh, Brandon Cooks is still in play. And oh, these tight ends. Now there's like, we got Pharaoh Brown, I believe, to deal with, which makes it a headache from a fantasy perspective. But in terms of allowing production for Watson and spreading out the field to allow some of these speed receivers to boom, it's great. It's a great point you bring up about Myers may even see more targets than usual because the Pats may have to throw more because Houston's offense yeah. is very good. And uh, the New England, it's wild that last year at one point, they were considered a historically good defense. Right now, they're allowing the most yards per attempt, slightly more than the J- Jacksonville, uh, 8.6. So yeah, fire up the receivers against them. Gilmore remains banged up. So yeah, you're starting Fuller. You're starting Cooks. Um, absolutely. This could be higher scoring than, than New England is comfortable with. And Damian Harris, given that he's facing the Texans' worst rush defense in the league. I mean, how much are we... Did you know every time Damian Harris has touched the ball, fifty? every time he is net... I'm sorry, every time Damian Harris has managed 15, a minimum of 15 rushing attempts, he's hit 100 yards. Jeez, yeah. I, I know he doesn't get any targets and he has Cam Newton stealing goal line touchdowns, but I still ranked him top 15 this week in that matchup and how good he looks. So, so much better than Sony Michelle. I hope he stays healthy and in the next iteration of a good offense there, I'd love to see what he can do in a full season. We got to talk about the Eagles. I'm sorry, but it's they're on the schedule, we so to. we have to discuss right. them. Yep, uh-huh. And uh, they're traveling to Cleveland, which apparently is the windiest damn city in the yeah. U.S. <laughs> so if we're looking for silver linings here on the Eagles, uh, Zach Ertz was cleared to return from IR. He is not, it's not clear, however, if he's going to suit up for Sunday. I almost hope he doesn't because... I really think that Jalen Rager could have a nice continued impact. We know that the Browns are giving up a bunch of fantasy points per week to the wide receiver position, and we've seen Rager pop pretty quickly. And we also know that Jalen Rager is, frankly, given his situation at TCU, used to producing despite whatever the heck is going on under center. For sure, I'm in on him on a cheap DFS option or if you need him for a flex this week. Tough to predict. Fulgham coming off a down game and obviously Wentz coming off a down season. His future in doubt in Philly. Uh, You like how they turned to Miles Sanders immediately as as their feature back last week. I know Boston Scott had the long TD run, but but man, Sanders would be uh, as hard to to pass in DFS too as a so future few feature backs these days but yeah Rieger looks he looks good um I know people in uh in in Philadelphia aren't super happy that the team drafted him over Justin Jefferson but he still has time to make to make make himself you know known here the second half now that he's healthy and and what Jeffrey I don't think Jeffrey or or Ward are really going to get in his way now and what about the Browns for you Uh, last week it's been hard to really analyze these Browns because the passing game has been non-existent for to contest because of these stinking wind conditions. I mean, the, I guess in some ways it simplifies it because 
The Browns, we all know, just want to run. And now Nick Chubb being back allows Kareem Hunt to do what he does best while he, while Chubb, you know, he was a little bit rusty last week, but he managed that, what, 59-yard long run. And so you've got Chubb doing what he does best. That's what Stefanski wants the offense to do as a whole. And then there's still enough there for Kareem Hunt because he's folded into the passing game. Yeah, the team wants to win running and defense, but... I will. I've been wanting to recommend Higgins as a as a sleeper, and I, I do think the wind obviously had some factor in his lack of production. And I and well, especially with Lan- the Vegas game in particular, I think was the the one for me that was the most distressing. I guess right, right. I, Landry, I don't know how recovered he is from. He claimed he was dealing with a broken rib, and obviously Beckham's out for the season. So I still think Higgins could be a sleeper moving forward. You know, people are forgetting about him now because of the the, the recent situation. So keep your eye on him and possibly Austin Hooper. But yeah, this team wants to win with Hunt and Chubb. And uh, I'm with you as far as Chubb's final line looked great last week. And, you know, he could have had two touchdowns or whatever. But for a while, you know, I don't know if he was he was debating even playing with the knee brace there. So I'm not entirely sure if his knee's 100%, but hard to argue with the results. Do you think Chubb goes over or under 100 total yards? I'd say under, just because he's dealing with, with, with Hunt there. And yeah, I'll take the under on that. Oh, I haven't predicted for 101, just well, over, that- but good to know. Good to know. <laughs> I won't quibble too much there. He'll be close to around there. And he'll, he'll probably right. hit Pater too. The nice thing about, you know, he's, he's nose for the end zone. Detroit at Carolina. Lord, there is some stuff going on in Michigan. You got Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford's wife, first of all, is popping off on her Instagram, (laughs) causing all sorts of trouble. Can you imagine if you're Matt Stafford and you're dealing with everything you're dealing with and then you come home and your boss is like, can you tell your wife not to, I don't know, say we're living in a dictatorship? Oh man, yeah, that's, tough. that's tough too. And her poor wife, his poor wife had to deal with a brain tumor too. It's kind of hard to criticize her. You'd think that maybe <laughs> she'd respect the hospitals and doctors then. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I'm hear just you. saying. I, I hear you. I okay. Hear. Anyway, Stafford is not only dealing with his wife popping off on social media, um, he's also got this partial tear in his throwing hand. And Kenny Galladay, I guess we're looking for a bright spot, did return to practice uh, after dealing with that hip injury on Wednesday. Yeah, Galladay, it's been a huge difference with Stafford night and day. Mm-hmm. With a, and it's easy to say, oh, your star receiver gone, but that one is clearly mad with that with that offense there. All kinds of issues here, though. Uh, Stafford looks like he's going to play through that thumb injury, but now DeAndre Swift just suddenly is in concussion protocol. I had him locked in my DFS lineups. Uh, I ranked him super aggressively, borderline top five. It looked, you know, he started last week. He they gave him the keys to the offense, and obviously in this setup, it looked it looked great. Because on the flip side, if Bridgewater sits, it might be ugly Carolina's offense. So Detroit might run the well. Of course, Matt Patricia will find a way to blow the lead, but all kinds of injury issues in this game. And our best advice here is just pay attention to what happens between now and game time. So as you mentioned, Matt Stafford likely to play through his injury. It doesn't look like Teddy Bridgewater, at least at the time of our recording, will be able to do the same. He is, in fact, unlikely to get the start on Sunday. So assuming he doesn't play Dalton, how are you treating Mike Davis? Yeah, discouraging news. It was encouraging that it wasn't to the same knee that he had, the, obviously, the serious surgery on. But Bridgewater, if he's unable to play, I have no clue about P.J. Walker. I'm downgrading all of the Panthers, uh, Robbie Anderson and D.J. Moore, Curtis Samuel. And, yes, Mike Davis, you have to use him in a matchup against the Lions. I mean, it's just it might be the best matchup. But he has just looked, I don't know, just a little bit, uh, like, worn out over the last few games, uh, getting in the starting in place of CMC. But... Given the running back landscape throughout the NFL right now and the matchup, you're still using him. But man, if Bridgewater sits out this game, it's definitely a buzzkill for all of Panthers' fantasy values. I 
agree completely. I do think Davis is likely to find the end zone, but that's about it. We wanted to say thanks again to our sponsors for this episode, Planters. When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. Green Bay at Indianapolis. Dalton, before we... I know that you um, you like to maybe try your hand at what the desert has to offer at various times. Is that a nice way of saying that you're a gambling man? Uh, yes, I, I fail okay. at it, but I attempt, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So miserably, um, so yeah. yeah. During Mad Bets, I was asked who I thought would um, score pass for more touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers or Phillip Rivers with Aaron Rodgers giving a half of a touchdown. I think the answer, even in this tough matchup, despite how well Rivers has played over the last few games, and as much as I like seeing the Michael Pittman breakout, Aaron Rodgers still has Devontae Adams, and the answer has to be Aaron Rodgers, no? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is the favorite to throw more touchdowns this game, no doubt about it, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, Devontae Adams plays, man. He's banged up, too. It's all the injuries in all these sports. But, yeah, Rodgers has been so, so good. I think he's the second least pressured quarterback this season. I was down on him. I Obviously, everyone hated their draft. Um, I didn't know who he's going to throw to. That team, uh, the setup, I just thought the downside of his career. Instead, he's just resurrected his career looked awesome in a dome. Yeah, he could sling it around there and put up another big fantasy game for sure. What about Alan Lazard? So you mentioned Devontae Adams who's dealing with an ankle issue, though reports suggest that he will play through that and you can't not start Devontae Adams if he is no. No. play if he's on the field. <laughs> oh yeah. But a- Alan Lazard, you know, he's he's returned from the IR. He got back to practice last week, but he wasn't ready to go in week 10. He's still not a lock for Sunday, but How are you treating, I don't really want to try to chase MVS. I don't think it's a wise thing to do, especially with Lazard so close. Do you disagree? Are you all over MVS, who I liked a lot heading into last year, but I just feel like the rapport and the connection with Rodgers, though, again, admittedly, it has improved. That's like, we know that Rodgers likes to lock into his guys, and I'm not sure that MVS is fully in the real circle of trust versus the uh, situational circle of trust. Yeah, I would prefer not to have to start either Lazard or MBS. I have them both, like, say, outside the top 35 this week. Uh, obviously, Lazard's going to cut into MBS's production, and I believe the reports are he, they will, he will be eased back into action. Valdez Scantling is so frustrating. Right when I finally admitted uh, to Pienowski, who's always been down on him a couple weeks ago, say, I, I'm done. I, I, used our, I used him in a bold prediction about three weeks ago. Whatever the last week he put up a dud was, I used him as my <laughs> bold prediction. And he's since gone crazy since. So he's, he's a frustrating player, but... He does get all those air yards, and every now and then he catches them, and it's, it results in 80-yard touchdowns. So certainly there are worse flyers out there. But, um, yeah, Lazard, i definitely like to take a wait-and-see approach coming off the injury. But, hey, so, if Adams misses this game and Lazard's banged up, though, suddenly I mean. MBS could be uh, looking at all the targets indoors, and, yeah, then, then he becomes very interesting if Adams were to sit, for sure. I mentioned briefly the Michael Pittman breakout, which I don't think as many people maybe noted because the game was on Thursday last week. But Michael Pittman was on the field for over 80% of of the team snaps. He ran 37 routes, eight targets, caught seven of those balls, which as a fan of his coming out of USC, I knew he was capable of. That's why I liked him for Phillip Rivers. And he rolled up 101 yards. That kid is so tough after the catch. You can tell that his daddy played running back. How are you treating him moving forward? And 
obviously, when we're noting the, the Green Bay Packers secondary has had some injuries, but Alexander is back now. Yeah, yes, it looks like he is going to, maybe he's banged up or maybe he's fine. Uh, I think it was a concussion protocol, so he should be close to 100%. That's not ideal, uh, but maybe he shadows T.Y. Hilton. I still think he's uh, his former self. I'm all in on Pittman. I added him everywhere I could. I I have him ranked as a top 30 receiver this week. There's no one else there. Hilton looks washed. Um, I have whatever, their their, their trio of, of, of slow tight ends. Um, so, yeah, I like Pittman quite a bit moving forward this week. You're right. The Jair is not the great matchup if he does shadow him. But, uh, yeah, the kid passes the the eye test. He looks good. And who else is Rivers going to throw to? So I'm, I'm with you here with Pittman for sure. Pittman also only 35% rostered. He might be someone that you add when you're looking at this matchup. If you have Devontae Adams and Adams can't go all of a sudden, Perfect. then you have someone to pivot to. And to the me, late games. Uh, yeah. Pittman could be that. Yeah, late late, uh, late for, start, perfect. It works perfectly too because Adams are stuck with those late late afternoon starts, so it works perfectly here. Uh, the Jets at the Chargers. <laughs> if the Jets beat the Chargers, can we one hundred percent blame blame it on uh, Justin Herbert's haircut? Yes, I saw. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yes, I did. I did check out that the haircut, even though the outline you wrote in there, my wife had sent it to me. So I've seen that twice. <laughs> Her, it's pretty funny. Her, Herbert, what? Come on, man. Give the kid a break. You, what is he? You don't pick it on a 17 year old. How old is that guy? <laughs> I mean, enough said. And also, it doesn't matter how young he looks because he pl- he plays like a grown ass man. Yes, and we are taking it, especially against the Jets. I mean, he's going to be it is going to be Wow, how's this for a headline in 2020, Dalton? It's coming to me now. Justin Herber versus Joe Flacco. Yeah, oh, man. It's crazy. Yeah, even in his off game, uh, first off game as a pro, Herbert puts up three touchdowns last week. Uh, just, yeah, what a stud. Balage is the guy I want to talk about here. I got this yes. one. I said, Troy Main Pope is my sleeper of the week. Dude gets zero snaps. Uh, so I guess they're, they're really into Balage. He's their feature back. It's just the way it is. Kelly, uh, and they have not trusted him since the fumbles earlier. Pope, like I said, have zero snaps other than special teams last week. So feature back in this matchup, what a, a spread approaching double digit favorites. Uh, yeah, yeah Balage. I mean, I, I ranked him irresponsibly high. I got ranked him ninth among my fantasy backs this week. So uh, that's just uh, both a comment on the running back situation and, uh, yeah, Kalen Balazs, crazy. I absolutely love that take. Balazs was in my Deep Sleepers article. He is rostered in under 50% of leagues. He's only $16 in our daily game. He's managed 15 rushing attempts in back-to-back games. He's also, and this is what we love, been featured in the passing game because he's recorded seven targets over the last two efforts you mentioned. And this is what I think is particularly telling. Troy Troy Main Pope was active last week, didn't see the field, and so now you've got Balazs, who is in another back-to-back revenge spot. Oh, that's right. Coming in <laughs> to do some damage. I absolutely love it. Uh, and I think he could very likely roll up 100 scrimmage yards in this one. Oh, yeah. 100 and a touchdown. Have him top 10. Use him in DFS. Uh, I'm, I'm with you there. And if you really want a deep, deep sleeper, what about, am I going too deep saying LaMichael P. Ryan? You think the Jets nope. come out, give the young guys finally some run? They force Gase to do it a little bit here? Or are we going to see more gore? I, th- I like P. Ryan as well. The only reason he wasn't on my deep sleepers uh, list and the article that I published every Thursday was because I had him on a couple of weeks before. ago and I did yeah. want to reuse the name. So he's another deep pull, but Balazs in like another revenge spot was just too good not to oh, highlight. Yeah. Speaking of the revenge spot, the, the team that he had tried to enact a revenge against last week was Miami and they're the next matchup up traveling to Denver. Jordan Howard finally got waived. 
the nightmare is over. There's a running back in this one, I'm just going to let you know, Dalton, that I want to talk about specifically, but I'm saving for my nutty prediction. All right, fair enough. Any anybody else in my uh, in Miami that you want to discuss too? Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, All right, yeah, yeah, man, Miami. I lose money on them every week with the defensive touchdowns here, the special teams touchdowns there, frustrating. But that coaching is the coaching's good. Tua looks uh, obviously encouraging start. Yeah. Um, yeah, this game, I don't know what to make of the Denver's so bad, and the quarterback even Drew Locks banged up there. This is a stay away game as far as if you wanted me to gamble, or if, as far as fantasy, man. I mean, it's 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 uh it's not one of my favorite of the week. Let's put it that way. No, I do think what we can glean from Denver is that Philip Lindsay is being faded, right? Like that's for for whatever reason he's being faded. He's not being used. Melvin Gordon is obviously the preferred uh, running back. Not just like preferred, like he seems to be it. Um, I don't know if it's health or obviously this team has had like size concerns about Philip Lindsay and then his durability issues don't help. They only exacerbate that concern. So I think that might be part of it. KJ Hamler, for what it's worth, led the team in targets last week, but you're seeing Jerry Judy pop up with a new injury on the on the injury report heading into this week. And we know that Tim Patrick has not been 100% throughout the season. He had a hamstring issue and those soft tissue issues, obviously linger Noah Fant re-aggravated an ankle injury a couple of weeks ago on the field in real time so I think if I'm going to throw a dart at anyone I threw a dart at him last week uh, and that was KJ Hamler because I do think that Locke is trying to develop more chemistry with him and he said as much the problem is that all of these receivers who have such talent are hamstrung by their quarterback and their quarterback despite not being particularly oh hashtag good is also not healthy yeah, he's not. I would say if Brett Rippon starts this game, I wouldn't move my rankings of the receivers whatsoever. No. A healthy Rippon might even be a small upgrade. Oh, Melvin Gordon has looked borderline wash, but you still got to use him, give him his, given his role. Judy looks exciting. All those air yards and uh, just how good he looks on the field. Can't wait to see who plays quarterback in Denver and gets all those toys with a returning Cortland Sutton as well. I mean, a healthy Fant and Patrick. And I like the Hamler call, especially on PPR, getting all those, those targets out of the slot. He's, he's a decent uh, deep sleeper at wide receiver this week we got dallas at minnesota up next it is andrew gregory dalton on track to get the start so um what do we what what does this mean (laughs) i mean i don't even know how to like how to try to be optimistic i do think if we're looking so when we the, the problem is we haven't seen a really big sample size from andy dalton right we other than his time in Cincinnati. We're going to divorce ourselves of that for a second, knowing just what we know about him, fine. But we've only seen him on the field with these receivers and Zeke Elliott for four consecutive quarters one time, right? Like the other two games he did not complete. And it was the game against Arizona. And in that game, he showed, you know, good chemistry with Michael Gallup. Like that seemed to be it for Dalton. But we know also that the Minnesota defense can their secondary is banged up and can be and young and can be very generous. So are we thinking that coming out of a bye with some time to reset and regroup and get a little bit healthier because that's been a concern too? Dallas might be are are we underestimating them? And not assuming they're going to be good, but are we are we crapping on them too hard? I guess I think so a little bit. Uh, uh, with Gallup specifically, uh, Andy Dalton hit him up on that long play right after replacing Dak Prescott against the Giants too. And the other game against the other game where he got hurt at Washington with just a banged up offensive line against a good defensive line, he had no chance 
that game. So I expect him to emerge healthy from the bye and have this offense afloat. A banged up uh, Elliott as well, something to pay attention to. So those receivers, mm. I upgraded all of them. Cooper, Gallup, and Lamb. Gallup's uh, the cheapest in DFS. So I, I think he's a, an, an interesting target this week against the Minnesota defense, missing you know, both its star defensive uh, edge rushers. And that secondary that's so banged up. I, they've been playing better, admittedly, though, both on defense. But um, I still think on paper this looks like a prime matchup. And, yeah, I like Andy Dalton and those receivers. And and maybe people are going to be down on them in the DFS world because of, you know, they've been so bad the last time we've mm-hmm. seen them. But I do think there is a, a chance here that Dalton is a big upgrade over Gil- Garrett Gilbert. And if they can get healthy there and maybe not win games in real life, but with a bad defense, that could set up for a nice carnival ride for fantasy fantasy managers. I love everything you're saying. And the Vikings, you mentioned um, how generous they've been. They're giving up close to 280 receiving yards per contest. I also think that Dalton Schultz, I mean, we talk about, oh, every week, right? When when I'm looking for like a a lower sleeper, like a stream at the tight end position, it's always... I feel like a choice now that Austin Hooper is back. It's either like Austin Hooper or Logan Thomas every week. I don't know which one of these guys are we going to throw in. But I think that Dalton Schultz, who was dropped everywhere. I mean, he was he's rostered in under 20% of leagues right now, has an opportunity. And people look at that week five Arizona game that I mentioned. Well, Arizona, despite being historically bad against the position, has been actually quite good against it this week. And so it's not surprising to me that Schultz wasn't peppered in that particular game by Andy Dalton, he was peppered by Danucci and Gilbert Grape or whatever the hell his name yeah. is. And, I and, call him Gilbert Godfrey is what I go with, Gilbert Godfrey. Okay. for the older crowd. I'm but, too old. I mean, he, he was peppered in those games. I saw, I believe, uh, what, uh, 13 targets, uh, 12 or 13 targets over his last two games. So I think he could be a viable option, especially when we're looking at the defense we're looking at and we're looking at who Andy Dalton is as a, as a signal caller. Yeah, and tight end position so bad. Absolutely pick him up. That that offense, it, we called for a, the position had been has been targeted whoever's been playing quarterback there this year. So totally with you, Dalton Schultz. It could easily be a top 10 fantasy tight end and PPR leads down the stretch easily. Sunday night game, Kansas City at Las Vegas. Remember, the Chiefs have only dropped one game all season, and it was against the Raiders earlier in the season. So this is their opportunity to enact revenge outside of their home, on the road. Also, lots of COVID news here. My gosh, the Raiders are so frustrating when it comes to this COVID stuff. Eight defensive starters for Vegas on the COVID list could play, could not. There are no betting lines on this game for this very reason. But uh, what is the over-under on Kansas City points if this happens? Oh, where would you set the line? How many points are they going to score this game? You're saying, yeah. No, where would, uh, you, where would you set the over-under, assuming that, um, that you could on this game? Oh, this one, the early lines that came out, it was high. It was, it was, a pro, it was above 55. It was like 56, 57, which makes total sense. Indoors, uh, uh, you mentioned, man, you had, you had to mention it, the Chiefs. I hate the Chiefs, dude. They call, Not only they beat my Niners and cost me my $20,000 Super Bowl ticket, my, own, my sur- survivor, I had the Chiefs in their only loss, as you mentioned, too, this year. So that, they, they just keep giving the, the, the Chiefs but to me. But 
Mahomes is the quietest 25 touchdowns, one interception season in recent memory. I think they roll here. Apparently, they pissed off Andy Reid and did a victory parade afterward when they did beat uh, KC last time they faced him. So the whole Andy Reid coming off a bye narrative, all that stuff. I, I would. Then again, the, the the Raiders have been a team that's been that's been uh, proving me wrong all year. But I'm going back to the well here, and I expect the the Chiefs in prime time to really roll and put up a ton of points. So yeah, the over under in this game 57 ish. Uh, the Chiefs are gonna are gonna do their part for sure. Getting they're gonna they're gonna drop a forty burger on Sunday night. I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I also think that Ceh has an opportunity to boom here. I know that we're all expecting Mahomes to just unleash because he can, right? That's like what we keep saying. That's what makes the Chiefs so diabolical, if you will, yes. to opposing defenses is because they can they it's a pick your poison kind of death to defenses. And I do think though that. Mahomes, I would love to see him throw like throw for 350 yards, right? And show off because he can. But I do think because they dropped this game, there is going to be a very early, let's get to a lead and just make it stop, right? Like, let's just get this over with now and lean on the running back. And I still believe that that is very much CEH. Sammy Watkins might return to this game too. That offense is just so loaded. But yes, CEH win is the blow up game because Le'Veon Bell has not chaining uniforms has not made Le'Veon Bell look any more rejuvenated at all. Uh, it's annoying that Daryl Williams is the passing down back when CEH was such a apparently just the best receiving back in college and LSU and it's graded so highly by the scouts. I just don't understand why it's resulted in that. But I'm um, with the rookie back is going to have a big game uh, eventually, and it might as well be Sunday night. Are we going to see Josh Jacobs? We we're not going to see him blow up like he did against Denver, but because I imagine that the Raiders are going to be chasing points. But what can we just like we're starting? Everyone's starting. He's a top. He's a top seven option regardless, right? Like, can we just now admit that Josh Jacobs is it with a capital I? Oh man, he could have had four touchdowns last week if they gave Devontae Booker. They let him get some revenge touchdowns. But yeah, Jalen Richard is questionable for this game, so he may even see an uptick in, in targets for Jacobs. We so, love that. Yeah, he's Jacobs is is the yeah uh, no doubt top ten weekly option. Finally, the Monday night game we've got the Rams traveling to Tampa Bay. Ooh, you know what they say about those teams that travel across the country, especially from soft California and. Andrew Whitworth out six to eight weeks. So, I mean, let's be honest. And do you, would you, would you even imagine for a second, Andrew Whitworth coming back, even if the Rams like made the playoffs? Yeah, it seems like a significant injury for that. He's not just one of those names, you know, you look up uh, PFF and he, they were grading him yeah. super high this year. He's, he's a big loss for sure. And that offensive line that they didn't switch all the personnel from last year had been playing night and day from last year. So that's definitely a loss that should be noted for sure. You see now Tennessee's offense has sputtered since Taylor Lewan's gone down. Hopefully that's not the case here. Uh, obviously McVay can scheme, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a, it's a loss. And I would guess it's, it's not one he can return from, but I mean, may, maybe he can. Well, the matchup for Goff is a nightmare as well. Without Whitworth, we've seen him struggle behind that O-line last year when things weren't gelling properly. And Tampa Bay's Tampa Bay's D-line is pretty fierce. Yeah, these two teams are two of the three in the in the fewest yards per play allowed uh, this year. So two of the best defenses. So should be an interesting game, man. I'm, I'm really curious to see how how this uh, plays out with uh, you know Brady and, and, and Goff. Uh, uh, Rams play a lot better with the lead, you know, lean on that running game and not relying on Goff. So if they fall behind against that pass defense, that could uh, could get ugly. And I don't know what to make of the Los Angeles running back situation. I know that maybe Akers may now get more more touches, more of an even split with Daryl Henderson. That is not 
not music to fantasy managers' ears. What what a nightmare because, I mean, Todd, Todd Gurley leaves. It looks like he's busted one leg. Todd Gurley scored 54 touchdowns the last three years. I'm like, man, if a young back emerges there, he could be a fantasy monster. But instead, we're here with uh, not any usable usable options. I do think the silver lining for people who've been riding Daryl Henderson is that he was on the field first. He found the end zone first. We continue to know that the team really has an admiration for and an affection for Malcolm Brown, who's continually used in uh, scoring situations. And it seemed to me that Cam Akers got his opportunity or grew later in the game. He ended up leading that backfield in carries. But I, I still feel like Henderson is the lead back by a hair Maybe it is a hot hand situation. Sean McVay told us at the head of this at the head of the season that he wanted to run a committee approach. So we shouldn't be surprised that we have a committee approach. It's also the matchup that makes it so much more difficult. And and that's what um I'm a little bit concerned totally. about. I do not I do not think Henderson finds the end zone again this week. So I wouldn't count on another touchdown. Yeah, they're tough, tough run defense for sure. And then Josh Reynolds is like quietly emerging and he's led the team in air yards and, and, and even target share recently. So that's just a mess there on a team that does not want to rely on golf. And then the flip side with the, with the Bucks running back situation, I can't believe that Ronald Jones loses a fumble early last week. I thought for sure he'd be the doghouse. And then third longest carry in NFL history. It looks like he's the guy. Are you trusting Ronald Jones? What, what are you doing with that situation? Fournette is still the passing down back. Who, If one of those guys emerges the main back with Brady, with those receivers and defense, he has number one fantasy back upside, but it doesn't appear to be the case. I like that you're mentioning, like, what do you do with? Who do you trust? Trust was a word you used. And I sort of feel like, Yes, Ronald Jones triggers my trust issues. He clearly triggers your trust issues. I'm going to guess he even triggers Tom Brady's trust issues. But Bruce Arians has gone to therapy and exercised all of those demons because he does, as we saw returning from that fumble, indeed trust Ronald Jones. I mean... He carried the ball 23 times. Like, everyone's talking about the fumble. Everyone's talking about that wild 98-yard run that he ripped off. He also carried right. the ball 23 times. I mean, I think you got to lean into that momentum while you have it and while he's facing the Rams that have at times been leaky against the position. Oh, yeah, you're using him. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah, I had to, had to break him top 15 after that. If he's the the main guy, even if he loses the, the passing down work to, to, to Uncle Lenny, he's still the, the, the touchdown upside. He just looks really good, man. He passes, speaking of passing the eye test, I know the in between the fumbles and the drops with the ball in his hands, Ronald Jones looks, looks great. For the IDP stands out there, over under one and a half sacks for Aaron Donald. He hasn't had a multi-sack game since uh, for a couple weeks here. Um, I'll take the, the under Brady oh. get rid of the ball too quickly. Brady will be worried. He'll get rid of the ball. Yeah. Oh, you're going over more fun. I'm go going over, over. just because yeah, I mean, like fun. the world well, and the bucks, the bucks O-line, you know, without, oh, with, yeah, they, with the exception of Marpet, they've yeah. been, they've been really, really good, but they've also not faced elite D lines except for like the saints and the bears. And in those two games, Brady got sacked three times per game. So I think that Aaron Donald is due it's an aggressive line, but I, I, I mean, two sacks, I'll take it. I'm a, that's what I'm going to be rooting for in this game, at least. 
And then one final narrative that's just funny is that they have been really bad in night games this season, and Tom Brady is reportedly going to sleep at 8.30 this season. It's just a funny, weird thing, but apparently old man Brady can't handle these night games, and here's yet another one. So that's my anecdotal evidence to say go go all in on the Rams. I'm I'm kidding there. This should be definitely a a fun game, man. One of the the more interesting matchups of the year. I'm in. The Rams have really impressed. Their defense is legit. So, yeah, this, this should be a good one for sure. Looking ahead to Sunday, we're going to make some nutty predictions thanks to planters. Dalton, what is your nuttiest prediction for Sunday's game? Well, I was alluding to it earlier, but I, I'm going to rank Alex Smith uh, crazy high. I'll just say he finishes the top five fantasy QB this week. Uh, 390 yards last week without throwing one pass for 30 yards. Uh, this is going to be a higher-paced game. It's going to be a lot more plays than people expect. Uh, the, the dump-offs to both backs can add yards easily, so Alex Smith doesn't have to go downfield. Bengals quietly have been pretty decent against the run and have allowed the most fantasy points over the last five weeks to opposing quarterbacks. So my nutty prediction, and Alex Smith, he of the 17 surgeries, is going to be a top five fantasy QB this week. My nutty prediction is that Sylvan Ahmed of the Miami Dolphins goes over 80 total yards and finds the end zone against Denver. Imagine for a moment running behind a college teammate And then when you get to the pros, you leapfrog him on the active roster. That is exactly what Sylvan Ahmed has done. He was used to spell Miles Gaskin at Washington, and now he may have taken the job away. We saw him break out last week. Jordan Howard was waived. Matt Burita was phased out of this backfield before Ahmed became a thing. I don't know who in the Miami Dolphins coaching staff has connections to the Huskies, but somebody clearly does. I am here for it. And yes, Denver has a pretty formidable run defense, but we saw them get gashed by the Raiders last week. All about Sylvana Med. I have him fearlessly forecasted for 84 total yards and a touchdown. I like it. I, we saw what Miles Gaskin was doing. You don't have to be some special back to put up a, a, a ton of numbers, especially if he's getting all the work. And it looks like he's headed that way once again this week. Headed that way because those were some pretty nutty predictions and we're kind of (laughs) nutty. Thanks again to planters. And we remind you at home or wherever you are, stay satisfied with planters. All right, Dalton, what are you working on this week? I know what Andy normally works on, but what are you normally working on? I have a sit start column coming out Friday morning. So uh, yeah, check that out. So check that out. It should be out right now. And then what does your Sunday look like? Oh, I have a wrap-up column that night. So watching all the games on Game Mix, taking notes, and then uh, yeah, a big old wrap-up every single game Sunday night. So Dalton's wrapping it up, and Andy, Matt, and myself, along with Tank Williams, are previewing it and answering all of your lineup questions on Fantasy Football Live 90 minutes before kickoff. Be sure to tune in to that. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That is my friend at Dalton Del Don. One more thanks to Planters. The week 11 recap on Monday will happen and we'll talk to you then. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.